Welcome to the Redeemer Central podcast. Redeemer Central is a church community in Belfast seeking to practice the way of Jesus and work for the peace and good of our city. For more information, please visit RedeemerCentral.com. Thanks, John. I hope that introduction hasn't put too many of you off, but um, it's really nice to be with you. Um, it's also a little bit funny standing here. The last time I was up here was when Rose and I got married here just a couple of weeks ago, so it's really lovely to be back up. Um, yeah, really thankful for the opportunity to speak. I love being part of this community um, and calling this place home. Um, and for those of you who don't know me, my name is Curtis. I've been part of the Redeemer family for about three years now. In my day job, I work in politics, as maybe John kind of might have given away a little bit as a, pol- as a policy advisor. Um, but before that, I worked for a Christian social justice movement called Just Love. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about grace today, but I'm also going to talk about justice. As someone who works in Northern Irish politics, you might be forgiven for wondering what I might have to say about justice and grace, but do bear with me, and hopefully, kind of as we go through this, things will start to come together. Now, justice and grace are two things that have really shaped my life, they've really shaped my walk with Jesus. But right from the off, I just want to say that I'm speaking from a deeply privileged position. Because, of course, we've all had tough things happen in our lives and things that we know aren't right and that are painful and wounding. And I know many of us in this community will identify with that, will recognize that injustice isn't just an abstract idea, but a lived reality. I just want to acknowledge that and locate myself as someone who is passionate about justice, but not as someone who has experienced the fullness of injustice that others will have. I'm privileged, and what I share today will ultimately be shaped by that experience. But I do hope that as I go through, that there's something that God wants to speak to you about, that there's, God that's, there's something that God has to say to you, and that the Spirit will help these words come to life. I've kind of got three key things I want to share. The first is that it is the grace of God that compels us to seek justice. The second is that in our pursuit of justice and the practice of doing justice, the grace of God meets us again. And that in that, there is a cycle of grace and justice that sustains our continued pursuit of Jesus and justice. I'll circle back to that, but just hold that framework kind of in your mind for now. Justice and grace are quite loaded terms and you might be coming to them with your own experiences, your own understandings. Um, but for me, they kind of, they're kind of perfect opposites. Because justice is about getting what you deserve. It's about fair treatment and upholding the rules and the rule of law. And for most people who've been victims of a crime, justice is achieved when the offender is punished. But grace, on the other hand, is undeserved, unmerited favor. Um, that we've done nothing to gain, as Naomi beautifully shared last week. It's almost the exact opposite. Justice is getting what you've earned, but grace is the free gift that's unearned, undeserved. And as followers of Jesus, we have received the grace of God, the free gift of life. And although these things are in many ways opposed, I believe they come together beautifully in the story and the character of God. We are receivers of the grace of God, but what are we supposed to do with it? I think for a lot of us in Redeemer, there's a real natural answer to that, and it's to give it away, 
to share it and to use it to bless others, there's a natural inclination towards doing and seeking justice. Just think of the long table of Farmbox, of Stay and Play, the Justice Fund, as just a few of the many, many examples of how we as a community are seeking to reach out and love our neighbors with the love of God, both here in Belfast, but also in our wider world. Many of us will have a deep sense of discomfort and even anger when things aren't right in the world. And that is a beautiful and holy thing. We should never be satisfied with injustice. We should never be numb to the brokenness of our world. And as the church, we ought to be at the forefront of social action and justice work. And we know that in Redeemer. But even more than that, we need to be in it for the long haul. Justice often comes slowly. And we need to be willing to do the long, slow work in partnership with God. If we're going to be in it for the long haul, we need to fuel it with the right stuff. When I was at university, like the second week of term, I got involved with a Christian student justice movement called Just Love. This was a community of people who were following Jesus, but who were also committed to seeking justice and restoring right relationships in our university community, in their city, and beyond. I felt like I'd found my people. I kind of came to uni both with a passion for my faith, but also for a passion, with a passion for justice. And together with that community during our university years, we volunteered hundreds of hours, we fundraised thousands of pounds, we campaigned and we lobbied. And some friends of mine on that committee even helped to establish a winter night shelter for the homeless population of Durham, along with local churches and the council, which is still running to this day, providing a bed for over 70 guests every winter. Being part of a community who loved Jesus and were passionate about engaging with justice helped me to take some tangible steps then towards having a positive impact on the injustices that I saw around me. It was such a formative time, and I was really fortunate to then work for Just Love once I graduated, working with young leaders as they began that journey of thinking about what it meant to orient their lives towards following Jesus and seeking justice. During the summer of my final year, I was really fortunate um, to be part of the, well, I was really fortunate to be part of the team leading the group um, in my final year of uni. And I went to a training event with a guy called Brian Heasley from 24-7 Prayer, some of you might be familiar with. He was giving a talk on prayer and justice, and he said something that has stuck with me ever since, which might come up on the screen. He said, if your passion for justice is greater than your passion for Jesus, it'll eat you for breakfast. If your passion for justice is greater than your passion for Jesus, it'll eat you for breakfast. And what he was talking about had such a profound impact on me. And it's kind of shaped how I've thought about justice ever since. He was sharing with us that if we want to be doing this stuff for the long haul and to really stay the course in the long and slow work of fighting for justice, we've got to set our sights on the true source of justice. So much of justice work is heavy, it's hard, it's frustrating, it's painful, and it's difficult. And from this perspective of the world, sometimes it feels like we're not making much ground. From the raging of the climate crisis to the crisis of compassion in our politics and everything else happening in our world, it'd be so easy to burn out, to throw in the towel and give up the fight. And working in politics here, it's sometimes that's tempting to me too. Some days it feels like it would be easier to just give up and accept the fact that we live in a broken world. 
but by the grace of God, our pursuit of justice is not rooted in our own ability to muster up the energy or to solve problems by ourselves. Right at the heart of our motivation for pursuing justice as followers of Jesus is grace. And in Genesis 12, Abraham's given a beautiful call by God. He says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. He is blessed by God in order then to be a blessing to others. He's lavished with the love and grace of God in order to lavish others with that same love and grace. All through the New Testament, Paul stresses that grace is given to the undeserving, regardless of any human criteria of worth. The undeserved gift subverts all hierarchies of worth and status. God's grace is not reserved for the powerful, wealthy, or privileged. But the grace of God also propels believers into communities of mutual love and mutual service. Those who receive the undeserved grace of Jesus naturally extend that grace to others. And in Acts 4, one of my favorite chunks of scripture, it talks about the kind of character of the early church. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. What's beautiful about this and what's true for us today is that we seek justice as an overflow of our worship in response to the goodness of God's grace. We're not compelled by guilt or by anger by grace. And that is liberating, beautiful, and a real act of resistance in a world that's so fueled by anger. As Martin Luther King said, returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Hate multiplies hate, violence multiplies violence, and toughness multiplies toughness in a descending spiral of destruction. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. It is by grace that we are compelled to go, so fueled by the love and grace of God that we have experienced that we simply can't not share that with others. Tim Keller puts it really well. He says that the resurrection of Jesus and the gift of the Spirit means that we are called to bring real and effective signs of God's renewed creation to birth, even in the midst of the present age. So, our hopes of a better world aren't dependent on us. Our pursuit of justice is grace-filled, not guilt-filled. And as a follower of a God who concerns himself with the lowest places and sides with the poor and the vulnerable, we're reminded that we don't come to situations of injustice with a sense of guilt that we must solve all the world's problems but full of grace, invited to join in with being part of building for a better world alongside the God who loves us. As John just said, love's prerogative is to give and give and give. 
The grace of God also greets us there. So we're compelled to seek justice by the grace of God. But God doesn't leave us there. He actually meets us again as we strive and strive to seek justice. There's a geography to the grace of God and it pulls up in the lowest places. Think of where and with whom Jesus spent so much of his time. It was in the lowest places, the backwaters, the edges of society, with those whom society cast out and decided weren't worth their time. There's a particular geography to the ministry of Jesus, not spending his time in the glories of the wealthy cities, but in the low and forgotten places. And even where he was born, we all know the Christmas story in Nazareth. Nathaniel in John 1 says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Even the place that Jesus was born, there was prejudice and disrespect for the people he hung out with and the places he chose to spend his time. It also helps to remember that so much of scripture was written in the midst of an early church that was living in the context of oppression and suffering Um, of persecution of minority culture within a dominant empire. And God was using these minority voices to speak into that culture, and he continues to do so by his grace today. Sometimes we just need to get close enough to hear and to listen. And I think for me, during my first year of uni, I felt God nudging me more and more out of the student bubble. For those of you who've been to university, you'll know how easy it is to just get into the student space and never leave it. It's easy to kind of enjoy the luxuries of of university life and never encounter the reality of the city that you actually live in. And I found that in Durham, that temptation was maybe easier than in most places because Durham is an extremely divided county and an extremely divided city. There was what was referred to as the town gown divide, which is good in a Northern Irish accent when you're living in England. Literally no one understands what you're saying. Um, But that was the idea that there's this divide between town, the people who actually lived in Durham, and gown, people who went to the university. Because for some reason, at formal dinners and things, and graduation and all the rest of it, we had gowns. And it was the epitome of luxury and wealth and extravagance. And it was also the symbol that really put that divide into stark context. Durham is a city of deep inequality, with some of the wealthiest people in the country attending the uni, lots of them privately educated, leaving extremely extravagant lifestyles in a county with a child poverty rate of 24%, and with a food bank system feeding over 2,000 people every month. It's mad. It's completely mad. And what we realized in Just Love was that too many of us as students We're treating the city like the whole place was our campus. We were living however we wanted with no regard for the impact it had on our neighbors who called that place home. We were coming in for three years and we were taking, 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 and then just leaving. So nudged by the grace of God, I kind of (laughs) nervously, tentatively, started volunteering at a food bank and community center in a former mining village just outside the city. So every Tuesday afternoon after class, I'd pack up my laptop and my books and I'd head out to this village for the afternoon for three or four hours. And those Tuesday afternoons had such a deep impact on me. And I could tell you a few stories, um, but I'll just share one for now. I met a guy, let's call him Tim. He was about 40 and life had really not been kind to him. 
Um, he started coming just a few weeks after I started um, going, and I kind of awkwardly introduced myself. Um, and, and Tim wasn't actually there for a food parcel. He was there for a cup of tea, a toasty, and a conversation with someone because he was deeply lonely. But we got chatting, and you know it wasn't about much to begin with, but as we started to get to know each other week after week, and he saw that, oh, I, I was actually coming back week after week, he started to open up, and I started to open up to him, and we kind of let the barriers fall. And so week after week, cup of tea after cup of tea, we both started to see the humanity in one another, and we realized actually that we're not that different. And, you know, as student and resident, town and gown, that we had so much in common. We chatted about our families, we even swapped books. We prayed together about things that were going on in our lives, and it was one of the most beautiful things, I think, that I got to experience during my time at university. I deeply treasure that relationship and so many others that were built during my Tuesday afternoons at the food bank. Um, the cups of tea were pretty weak. Um, the community hall was pretty cold. Um, it was definitely rough around the edges, but it was so full of warmth and love and the grace of God. I truly believe that in the building of that friendship and in the act of stepping out to serve that God was with me and I got to experience his grace in ways that I couldn't have imagined before I took that really awkward first step of saying, I'll do that. And please know, I'm not telling you this story to think that I'm amazing for doing that or anything, like far, far from it. This is such a small, small thing that I was doing. And I know that so many of you are engaged in a much deeper work in a much more consistent way. And I want to honor that because I know that there are so many of you here today who are engaged in the work of justice in your daily lives, whether it's through your career, through your family, through what you, how you spend your money and how you spend your time. But I think that the story of our relationship, me and Tim, demonstrates beautifully that God's grace often meets us when we choose to step out in service. So we're compelled by the grace of God to go, but God doesn't leave us there. He actually fills us again and meets us with his grace and his presence when we choose to serve, to seek justice, to build relationships. And in our encounters and experiences of doing and seeking justice, we're invited to experience the presence and the grace of God in others and in relationship with others. It is God and his grace that equips, encourages, but also crucially sustains our pursuit of justice as we engage in it. Just like Abram, we are blessed to be a blessing, but we're also blessed as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, as the Beatitude said. And I think that pair of blessings beautifully demonstrates the cycle of grace that we see when we step out to pursue justice. The grace of God is liberating because it reminds us that it's not on us to solve every problem and to fix every injustice. We can never do that. But we're invited by the God who loves us into serving and into relationship with him. If you're feeling nudged, if you're feeling that kind of nudge of God, and of the grace of God to get involved, to serve, to seek justice, 
this might be a good time to ask those questions about how and where you could serve. Where are the gaps? What is God inviting you to bring in service of him and his kingdom? We all have talents. We all have skills, time, resources, and God wants you to bring those to the table, to lay them before him, and to allow him to use you. If you're feeling burnt out, if you're already doing this stuff and you feel like you're getting nowhere and you feel like you're serving week after week, month after month, and you're pouring out yourself year on year and you don't feel like much is shifting, Jesus is inviting you back to experience a fresh revelation of his grace to fuel that ongoing work of justice. He's reminding you that nothing is wasted in the kingdom and that the long and slow work is the beautiful work of the kingdom. And as we do it, let's have our eyes and hearts open for God, for what God wants to do in us and through us as we seek justice. It's not always as simple as the story I've told. It's not always as easy. Some people don't want a relationship. I feel like Tim was coming to that place because he wanted it, and I'm extremely fortunate. But I know that some of you are doing work in places where there are so many barriers to that. But again, I think God wants to remind us all that in that work, he is with us. It is his grace that sustains us. And as we do that work, we need to keep our eyes on him. I'm going to invite John up to lead us into communion, but just as I do that, I kind of want to just say, like, if you are feeling that nudge, do something about it. Um, we have a, an amazing community here, and it's not something we have to do alone. It's actually something we can do together, and I also think that in that, we also get to experience the grace of God and the goodness of God because as we step out, we also build relationships with one another. We build friendships in that service, both, both with the people that we might be seeking to serve, but also those that we're serving with. Um, I know that's true for me on Welcome. Like, I love being part of the Welcome team, not just because I think it's an important part of what we do, but also because I get to know people. I get to build relationships. I get to build friendships. I know that that's true for people who serve on the long table team. It's true for, I mean, the farm box community this weekend and Corey Mila. I mean, that is the grace of God. <laughs> They've stepped out to serve and to seek justice and God has met them there. But if you are feeling burnt out, if you're feeling like you've been doing this work for a long time, like the table is the most beautiful representation of the grace of God and he's inviting you to come back again and to lay it down, to give it over to him. So let's have our eyes open for what God wants to do through us, but also in us as we seek justice.